On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Trenton Huey. He is the director of data at Vita Health. We're going to be talking about a very interesting dynamic that uh, Trenton has to deal with at work, and it is dealing with a very matrix cross-functional team. He has different types of people he's interacting with, different backgrounds, you know, quote-unquote different languages that he has to be able to talk about and talk to. And I'm excited to cover this with him. Trenton, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, Amir. Absolutely. So help us out. I know uh, I mentioned you're working at Vita Health. So let us know what Vita Health does. And then also just as the director of data, what falls on your lap there? Yeah, so Vita Health is a um, virtual care management platform, and we provide access to therapists, registered dietitians, health coaches to provide a variety of different mental health and physical health programs for things like depression, anxiety, diabetes, weight loss, and things like that. And what I do at Vita as director of data is primarily oversee data analytics, data science, and data engineering. And so my team really focuses on how do we leverage data to help a whole assortment of different data-driven activities across the business, whether it's machine learning and AI, whether it's client-facing reporting analytics, whether it's internal insights and understanding what really drives outcomes for our members and our customers. But it's ultimately just the way I like to think about it. It's using data to help the business, to help our teams be more intelligent as we scale. Awesome. Sounds like a, a pretty cool platform, pretty cool place to be given the need for telehealth and telemedicine type of platforms these days. I guess we were talking beforehand about you know kind of the team you have to deal with. And I think the topic obviously is kind of dealing with a very cross-functional team and kind of having to span different backgrounds and dealing with you know some of the constraints that go with that. I guess maybe help us understand just at a high level what your team looks like, and then what does the matrix team look like as a starting point? Yeah, so I, I think the way I like to kind of start is when I look at the makeup of the org itself, it's really this intersection of, I would say, traditional Silicon Valley tech, where the CEO is from, you know, her background's in Google, eBay, PayPal, um, has led startups in the dot-com boom. And then the other side of the executive team is really coming from more of like these large-scale healthcare organizations like Anthem, Blue Cross, and places like that. And so from the very top, you get this kind of merging of get a lot of smart people from you know technology backgrounds and get a lot of smart people from healthcare backgrounds, and then merge them all together and, and try to you know use this intersection to create kind of technology that innovates in this virtual care space. And so I like to kind of start there because I think it really flows top down and then kind of from that higher level perspective, you know, you get into a lot of cross-functional teams that overlap between engineering, data science, data analytics, but then also you have health services teams, clinical operations teams, and a fair amount of doctors across a lot of different initiatives, which is, you know, for me personally, it's been pretty new. And so it's been exciting to kind of experience that. Interesting. So I guess when it comes to, you know, the audience here, you know, helping with analytics solutions, I guess, what does that span? What is that range in terms of those uh, type of activities for you? Yeah, so um, it's a good question. And I'm smiling because it's kind of all of it. You have your more traditional, I would say, kind of corporate analytics functions where you're working with finance teams, marketing teams, business teams to really understand, you know, what drives revenue growth, what drives member growth and things like that. But then we also have a lot of analytics focus on the clinical operations teams, 
which is really focused on the productivity and then also efficiency for our provider network, which are the kind of boots on the ground with really working with our members to administer programs and make sure that folks are working towards their health goals. And so the types of data you're dealing with really cuts through more traditional business functions, but also into clinical types of data. And I guess the challenging but fun part is trying to have it marry all together. Ultimately, like the core goal of healthcare is how do you increase health outcomes, but then also do so in a um, cost-effective way. Interesting. And I guess when you're kind of looking at, you know, some of the interactions of your team, once you start, you know, branching into those other business areas and some of those other conversations that you're dealing with, and obviously you become a matrix organization at that point on a particular project, you know, when you're starting to interact with some of the more technical side of the business, maybe the more medical or, you know, the health side of it, how much, I guess, does your team have to start absorbing that? How much does your team leverage the expertise? Because obviously you guys need to understand that data to a certain extent. That's a great question. And so at Vita, we have this approach and mindset that we like to frame as human in the loop. And so what that means is even if we're building the most innovative technology or the smartest you know, analytics system, you know, no technology system is perfect without having some human involvement from subject matter experts like you know, the doctors, the clinicians, the licensed therapists. And so focusing on understanding those perspectives is a top priority. Sometimes we kind of joke because you go back and think about some of those movies, like, can we get a doctor in the room? And there's a fair (laughs) amount of initiatives where, you know, we're talking and, you know, you have a product manager and engineering manager and a data scientist. And, you know, we think we have a really good idea, but sometimes we have to remind ourselves, like, can we go talk with someone on the clinical side to make sure that we're really understanding some of these nuances on, you know, how do they want to use this data or how do they want to use this system? And I think that's also where a lot of the magic happens is really getting those additional perspectives because I think the technology teams and the engineering teams bring a lot to the table with working with the medical and the clinical side. But if we don't really you know, focus on having that kind of interconnectivity to understand their perspectives, that's where things can either you know, not solve the problem as directly as we'd like to, or might have slower time to market, or you, know, you might ship with bugs because you didn't think through as many of the edge cases as... as as we'd like to from more of the clinical perspective. And so uh, it's definitely a focus that we like to have. Interesting. I guess the flip side to this, and obviously I know this is from your point of view, but when you're working, let's say with the medical side, right? They're obviously, you know, people who not necessarily are dealing with analytics on a day-to-day basis and it's new to them, right? What are some of the things you see in those interactions that, that you need to help you know, that, that side of the matrix team? Yeah, so this comes up quite a bit. So I think one thing that's kind of unique to Vita that I definitely like to leverage out of the gate as much as possible is we have a fair amount of, you know, what I call doctors who can code. And so on the engineering side, like I think our first iOS engineer was actually a, a resident MD before he, he kind of made the switch. Our VP of medical affairs, who's an MD, but also has, you know, pretty strong, Python and machine learning skills. And then we have an advisor who also has, you know, a PhD in CS, but then also is a practicing MD. So I I generally like to leverage those perspectives to start to kind of get an understanding of, you know, what are some of these kind of common languages or 
what are some of these perspectives I should be looking out for before I even enter those discussions with potentially some of the um, the clinical teams or provider teams that may not be as, I guess, familiar with some of the technology or analytics or some of the systems that might be on the kind of more modern end of the spectrum. So that's where I like to start. But then some of the examples that you're talking about, I think one that comes up quite a bit is, you know, a big focus in health tech right now is how do you, you know, improve automation? How do you try to leverage technology to automate a lot of these manual or inefficient workflows that exist in the healthcare system today? And so I think some of the challenges that start is, I would say, someone coming from more of a traditional Silicon Valley company like, you know, Google, eBay, PayPal, Netflix, you know, their level of automation and tools is going to be on one side of the spectrum. And sometimes when I enter conversations or re-enter conversations with the clinical teams, folks might be coming from a clinical practice where their data entry might be pen and paper. And so it's not even Excel or Google Sheets. Like Excel and Google Sheets might actually be a step up from where some folks that we're working with are kind of familiar with, right? And so I think it's just understanding kind of the different perspectives and the backgrounds ahead of time and trying to level set on some of these, you know, technology stacks that, you know, folks might be more familiar with is something that comes up quite a bit because as much as I might say, let's get off of Excel and use more Google Sheets or let's get off of Google Sheets and use more of a, you know, GCP data warehouse or Snowflake data warehouse. There's a lot of situations where, you know, pen and paper might have been the previous iteration of this tech stack. And sometimes it's a humbling, but also important reality to acknowledge. Interesting. I want to ask you this question, because I think this is maybe the flip opposite problem that you might have or some of the constraints that you're obviously seeing. So you're obviously dealing with various different people, stakeholders. I think a lot of people deal with that. And I think you know, in your case, obviously, you know, having to deal with you know, doctors who can code, those are some unique constraints <laughs> or benefits, depending on the situation. When you're actually going to build something for people, right? A lot of times when it comes to data, people go, well, I can envision the final product, the pixel perfect report. I, I just need this information. And then it's like, well, listen, to get to that, we need some plumbing underneath done. It's a bit of the iceberg analogy. Like you, know, you see the tip of the iceberg, which is that report, but there's a lot that goes into it. How do you have those conversations, especially let's say somebody who's not, you know, consistently working in reporting or analytics, but yet needs that data? That's a great question. Cause I, I think as you highlighted, you know, getting data to a, a highly reliable, dependent state, it doesn't happen, you know, for free. It doesn't happen easily. And so there's a fair amount of discussion that goes into like, what is the data infrastructure? What are the data engineering pipelines required? to take these, you know, in reality, sometimes messy data sources and get it into kind of a high quality output. And what I've seen be most effective is really starting with like, where are the gaps today? And what are the specific issues that we want to try to address? And so, for example, I think one thing that comes up quite a bit is how do you drive a single source of truth across multiple different, say, dashboards or reports? And then how do we use that to articulate the gap, and then work backwards into the, you know, the data engineering, data infrastructure tech stack to try to explain, like, what does this pipeline do? Or why does it take so long to get this pipeline to show data that matches across two different sources that, you know, lines up by, you know, 6 a.m. every morning? But it's really trying to start with that end user perspective and then work backwards 
to the data source. And that tends to be more effective in terms of articulating kind of the pipes that it takes to actually get there. Because sometimes if you try to explain from the, I would say, technology first perspective, it can be challenging to really understand or follow how do you get from kind of point A to point B. So a lot of times it's important to work backwards from that end goal and those end gaps that you're dealing with. I think uh, especially if you're used to maybe the paper world or you're more transactional note-taking and all of a sudden that's building into, from your perspective, your role into more advanced analytics by you know gleaning the insights from that. That's a big gap because you're used to what you need at a snap of the finger and all of a sudden it's like, well, you know what, to get to that, you're going to have to wait. And that's not always something people are ready to understand or, or be accepted of. Definitely. I would say, uh, you know, in my time here, you know, change control and traceability has been a big focus because I think, you know, data quality is, it's important in any, any industry, but in healthcare, it's especially important because, you know, you're dealing with people's health and people's lives. And so making sure that, you know, blood glucose monitoring or A1C readings or measuring of kind of doctor's notes for encounters and visits and things like that are as married up and reliable and timely as possible. Absolutely. I've actually asked this question. I'm asking this more and more, and I'm just kind of interested to see how you know people are working through this, especially on the data side. So when you hire someone, obviously you can't always hire people with direct virtual health or health backgrounds to your team on the analytics team. What do you do to help them ramp up or you know the curve to kind of pick up some of the lingo or or whatnot? That's a great question that um, I think exists in a lot of different companies where, especially on data roles, where you're kind of at this intersection of the business side, but the technology side. And you know, ideally, you find the unicorn that has tons of experience in healthcare and understands how the healthcare system works and all those nuances and, and kind of the legacy challenges on what we're trying to improve and innovate on. But then you can also find someone who's worked on modern technologies to understand how to apply those systems to these like legacy problems to improve. In an ideal world, you can find that unicorn, but you know, in reality, you're trying to kind of thread the needle of that balance. And so I think what's pretty effective is when you're screening, you're hiring for folks, it's really trying to assess their aptitude for one, being able to pick up kind of complex problems quickly in new industries like healthcare, health tech, but then also looking for that curiosity for someone who's asking more questions. And those two things kind of go hand in hand where you're trying to find someone that can look deeper to go out of their way and understand, okay, it's not just what's kind of inside my initial scope of work, but I'm going to go and figure out like, how does this system work? How do I go talk to the clinical team to understand like, how do they actually use this data? What do they do after they look at this report and find this number? Or if this model's making a prediction that this member is off track from their health goals, what does the provider actually do? And it's important to interview for folks that will show that kind of drive to go and find that out. Because if you take that approach, then at least in my opinion, that probably sets up for the most kind of effective way to learn a new industry like healthcare or, or virtual telehealth and things like that. So I've been at Vita Health for a little bit over a year now, and this is my first foray into, into healthcare as well. And that was kind of my approach when I first joined is meeting as many people as possible, asking folks for feedback, asking folks, um, who should I speak with? And who on the health services team should I talk with? Who on the clinical operations team? Who on the medical affairs team? 
and just ask them lots of questions to try to learn as quickly as possible. Awesome. And I guess a final question on that, because I think maybe kind of ties in everything you know, you've been talking about on the episode is when you're looking to hire and you're kind of seeing, you know, balance of skills, you know, there's no silver bullet here. You've got to make trade-offs. What are you willing to make a trade-off on? Knowing that you have a matrix team, you know, the healthcare space is pretty complex, lots of nuances, regulations. Are you kind of looking at people with the hard skills and the hopes that they're going to ramp up on some of that knowledge? Or is it like, listen, I, I really need the learner and they can pick up some of the hard skills. I mean, what's that balance look like for you? Yeah. So that's a great question. And, you know, as I'm sure you can imagine, like it depends, like it depends on a lot of different factors because while you're, you're scaling a startup and you're trying to bring on lots of folks, the needs might differ depending on the team, on the role, on, on the level that you're looking for. So it, it really does depend. Um, but there's a few different areas that we like to really focus on. And so for my team, we roll up under the engineering org. And so, you know, technology skills and tech skills are kind of the, the non-negotiable. Doesn't mean that they need to be the A plus in every single tech skill or every single language or every type of environment. But we really strive for keeping a high bar on technical skills, whether it's coding or whether it's dashboard development or pipeline maintenance. We really try to strive for strong technical acumen. And what that actually means may, may vary depending on kind of the role or level where you know, someone earlier on in their career might be more on you know, technical skills and, and ability to you know, code high quality software, where some of that's more senior might be more focused on ability to articulate kind of best practices for software design or analytical frameworks or things like that. But we really like to focus on kind of what is our team experts at, and that's on the technical side. That said, there are instances where if someone really understands the kind of nuts and bolts of you know the complex reality of the U.S. healthcare system, and they also have a very strong aptitude for kind of learning new technical skills, we've had really good hires in that space as well because. As much as you're trying to innovate on kind of the legacy healthcare system, you know, as, as most folks know, the U.S. healthcare system is pretty complex. And so there's a fair amount of kind of ramp up for learning all the different codes, all the different layers of healthcare data. And so I think there's a ton of value in finding folks with more of that background as well, even if their kind of raw technical skills are, I would say, on the, on the earlier stages in terms of using more modern tech stacks. Awesome, man. I really enjoyed everything you said. I think uh, some very relevant points and, and hopefully people can see some of the complexity you're dealing with. I think it's, it's kind of unique. I appreciate you being on. If somebody does want to reach out to you, pick your brain on anything you discussed, what's a good way of getting hold of you? Is LinkedIn ideal or how should they do that? Yeah. Um, you know, if anyone has any questions or would love to chat, you can find me on LinkedIn and you know, reach out to me there. It'd be a great place to start. Awesome, man. We'll include your LinkedIn handle on the show notes. In case someone does want to reach out. And again, thanks for being on. Really enjoyed having you as a guest. And um, that's it for this episode. Until next time, we'll have uh, different guests, different sort of topics. And I always ask for two things. One, if you found the podcast useful, share it out. It's been growing organically. So I can't thank anyone who's been doing that enough. I appreciate that. And secondly, if there is a topic you want me to find a guest to address, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and let me know. And I'll do my best. Until next time. Thanks. 